Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson. And the New York Giants lost that Thursday night game against the San Francisco 49ers in Week 3, falling to 1-2 and two on the season. We can't say that we're super surprised by the loss, but there were some positives to take away, and there were a lot of negatives. There's a lot to talk about from this game. In particular, the Giants don't know how to tackle. The offensive line is still a massive problem, and this was just a failure to execute on every level level coaching the players didn't execute the game plan looked lacking I know the Giants didn't have a long time to prepare for this one on a short week but this was a bad game plan and just bad execution all around from the New York Giants so a disappointing loss yes they hung in there until about the third quarter but really I think the San Francisco 49ers didn't open up their playbook and they knew that they had the win in the palm of their hands so a disappointing outing I would have liked to see the Giants take this one to the fourth quarter take it all the way to the end but nevertheless the Giants are one and two they've got a long 10 days rest before this next Monday night game, which I think they have a solid chance of winning um, at home primetime versus the Seattle Seahawks. But like I said, a lot of preparation to take place between then and a lot of takeaways from this disappointing Thursday night matchup. So we're going to go ahead and react to this game, dive into the nitty gritty, who played well, who played poorly and everything else in between. But before we do a lot, make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode, subscribe to the channel if you are new, ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, Alex, how are you doing today, my friend? And what are your thoughts on last night's game? <laughs> How am I doing? How are my thoughts? Well, pretty easy to get to the bottom of those two questions. I mean, I feel like shit. I'm doing like shit. I don't want to watch football anymore. I don't like losing. I don't like moral victories. I don't like saying shit like we just be, be hung around to the third quarter. We've been saying that stuff for years, guys. We've been saying this stuff every damn season. Last year, we had an inkling of hope and optimism. And the, you know what? And, you know, Anthony, we were just discussing this right before the episode started. It felt like if if they wanted to beat the crap out of us, they could have at any point. It looked like they didn't really open up their playbook. It looked like they were taking it soft. Their defense, bro, was all over us. We had no chance. Our offensive line, Swiss cheese would be offended if we compared it to the offensive line. I freaking am. I'm so over this, this, this narrative that we cannot solve, that we cannot fix. The Giants have the perennial shit offensive line. It's a little pile of steaming crap. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. 17 total pressures. I don't expect Zuda to go in there and compete against Bosa and some of these guys. I don't expect, you know, I mean, look, the fact that Shane Lemieux was on this team is bewildering to me. Bewildering. I, I don't understand the logic. He hasn't played since COVID days, bro. He hasn't even been around since then. He's played like 50 snaps since then. He had a fine preseason, but it was against like third stringers. He was starting at left guard today. I'd rather have just seen Mark Lewinsky, if we're being quite honest. I just don't get it. I don't understand. Shane Lemieux has no future on this team. Neither does Mark Lewinsky, but at least you put the guy out that's played in two freaking years. I mean, for God's sake, I, I just can't, I can't fathom it. I mean, J Javon Kinlaw and Javon Hargrave were killing him. They just pushed him directly into Daniel Jones. There were a couple of occasions. There was one uh, route I was just watching on Twitter um, of Jalen Hyatt, who was wide open. And I think it was Hargrave. Maybe it was Ken Law. That was in Jones's lap by the time the route even developed. He had no time. He had 2.2 seconds. I think I saw from the PFF guy, like Sam Mons Monson or whatever the hell his name is. He was like, yeah, 
the Giants offensive line has had the worst pass blocking grade in that game last night than when, since we've been tracking it since 2020. The third worst grade of an offensive line since 2020, guys. Again, where are we getting these guys from? Why are they so freaking bad? Andrew Thomas, Ben Bredesen, we missed those guys desperately. Marcus McKethan gave up three uh, pressures. Evan Neal gave up three pressures. Evan Neal didn't look like a total liability yesterday. He had a couple of reps that were good. Um, so it looks like maybe he took some took him a step forward. I mean, look, he was going up against Bosa most of the game, and, and Bosa had that one sack um, in which it was just unblocked. You know, Daniel Bellinger just completely whiffed. So I, I feel as though Evan Neal had a better game. Is he still a liability? Absolutely. Um, this line is garbage. I don't understand how we've gotten to this point, how we've invested hundreds of millions of dollars, top draft picks, and we still can't put it together. There's no way you can tell me that Evan Neal coming out of college and the quality he showed has taken this many steps back and hasn't been able to develop a lot more than he has already. Like this is a coaching problem to me in some respects. Um, and, and, you know, talk about the pass rush. Kayvon Thibodeau had that one sack that was really a cleanup sack. He had two pressures. Ward had two pressures. Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence had good games. DJ Davis had a good games. Our lack of outside linebacker pass rush is a, is apparent. It is bad. Missed tackles, bro. My God, Debo Samuel carved up our whole team like a freaking Thanksgiving turkey. I've never seen anything like it. 16 missed tackles. You don't see that many missed tackles from a, from a team in five weeks, let alone one day. It is, I mean, the lack of discipline, guys. You saw, I mean, Xavier McKinney has forgotten how to tackle. Adore Jackson was holding on to freaking Debo Samuel like he was a rain, like he was Santa and he, and he was the reindeer. Just freaking going, man. He was just taking him for a ride. I mean, the amount of missed tackles. Micah McFadden had the, had the game of his life. Still missed three tackles. Um, he has seven missed tackles in the past two weeks. That's really bad. But I'm going to give him the credit and say it's okay because he was the only one that showed up on that defense last night in a big way. Um, we missed multiple opportunities for interceptions. We missed multiple chances to turn the ball over and turn the momentum on its head. Nothing. You know, I'll give the credit to Leonard and give the credit to Dexter, but everybody else was questionable at best. And, you know, Micah had some big moments there. Um, had four tackles for a loss and eight. I think it was nine total tackles going into the fourth quarter. So he was solid, but you know, Banks got injured. Davidson got injured. There was a whole bunch of issues. The Dory had the shoulder issue. Um, Hawkins. I mean, for God's sakes, love the guy, love Trey Hawkins, six round rookie, not giving up on him by any means. He was seeing ghosts out there last night, bro. Christian McCaffrey had him seeing things that were not there. He was just diving at the ground. Debo had him, his ankle snapped in half. Like Hawkins, bro. I, I love you. Solid in coverage. Got to get better in run support, man. You, I mean, he was just all over the place on the floor, rolling around. It's like just unacceptable levels of inept. And now, after being able to process this overnight, I can say that I feel as though the Giants, the injuries are plaguing us again. The same old narratives are popping up. The offensive line is bad. We can't tackle. Um, injuries are consistent. We're, we're missing our best players. Saquon's out again. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, it's the same things that repeat every single season, every single year, one after another. The offensive line freaking blows. The defense can't tackle. And we're missing some key playmakers every single time, every year. You know, it's not even a question. Every single freaking year this happens. I mean, you'd, you'd have to think that at some point we would be able to address it, especially after Brian Dibble wins coach of the year last year. I don't know what to say. Anthony, 16 missed tackles. I have never seen a Wink Martindale defense this bad. What is it? What is going on here? What is your thoughts on that? Because I, I just don't know how to how to logically put it together. 
Yeah, no, I have a lot of thoughts about Wink Martindale's defense, which I think has been really the Giants' kryptonite this season. I think that the defense has been on the field way too much because of the offense. Like, it's it's a double-edged sword because the offense isn't sustaining long enough drives. The defense is on the field too often and too long. That's their fault for not getting off the field on third and long last night. But really, when you're looking at this Wink Martindale defense, it is sloppy. The communication looks poor. You have plays out there where the Giants are forgetting to send 11 men on the field twice last night they had 10 guys on the field on defense one time on offense as well so clearly there's something going on with the communication between the coaches and the players it's really lacking right now but defensively it's just bad like all around the bad players that we thought were gonna have breakout seasons players that we thought were going to continue to be great are just failing like Xavier McKinney does not look good he looks afraid of contact he's not tackling he just keeps running in putting his shoulder into players not getting down on the ground and wrapping up and making a sound fundamental tackle and for what it's worth neither is Kayvon Thibodeau Kayvon Thibodeau had a missed tackle in this last game that looked like he didn't even give a shit whether or not he made the tackle he didn't try at all he just put a bear hug around the running back and then let him run through he didn't get down take his legs out that's how you're supposed to do it man you go low when you're going up against some of these best running backs in the NFL what are you supposed to do you go low, make it so that they can't go through you. Just take their legs out. And that's what Kayvon Thibodeau was refusing to do. And it looked like he was afraid of the contact. Same with Xavier McKinney. The Giants look like they're afraid right now. They're playing like they're just scared. Uh, they were playing last night like they were scared of the 49ers. And no, I don't necessarily blame them. Debo Samuel put Bobby Okereke into another dimension on a play. The guy is crazy. He's just a He's built different, okay? Debo Samuel is built different, and so is Christian McCaffrey. I understand all that. These are talented players, but the Giants are not doing themselves any favors with these weak arm tackles. Get down to the ground, play some fundamental defense, and the reason that they're not, in my opinion, this has to be coaching because you're not seeing just one player missing tackles, one player not putting their all into these tackles and not going with the fundamental textbook tackling form. It's like all of them are making this mistake. All of them have this lack of effort. So this is a coaching thing to me. You see Xavier McKinney just not trying on these tackles. Kayvon Thibodeau. You see uh, Micah McFadden had a great game. We'll dive into him in a second. But he also missed a lot of tackles in week two. He missed one or two in week three as well. His fundamentals also are not always consistent. It's just the, it, the textbook tackling form is the textbook tackling form for a reason because it works. And the entire Giants defense is acting like as if they've never been taught how to tackle. So again, I think it's a coaching thing. Maybe the Giants, I know that they implemented a new practice uh, routine this year where they're taking the one day on two days off whatever it was and I know that that's helped keep the team healthy we haven't suffered any major injuries yet minus Saquon Barkley and that's not even a long-term injury however maybe the lack of practice yes sure it's keeping the team healthy but maybe it's keeping them off edge maybe they're not sharp enough on game day because of it because they don't look sharp they don't look like they know how to tackle maybe they're not practicing hitting as much as they used to um in these practices and maybe they're not tackling or practicing their tackling because it really doesn't look like they are it looks like the team has forgotten how to tackle 16 missed tackles is a staggering number one that will any team that misses 16 tackles in one game i guarantee you they will lose that football game every single time that's a ridiculous number um but when you're looking at this wink martindale defense though it's more than just the tackling it's not just the lack of ability to wrap up and make the play it's also the game plan the schematics here i don't understand what they're doing 85 percent of the time the giants are blitzing and they're not getting any pressure well to me that means that maybe the blitzing is the reason you're not getting pressure yes you blitz to add pressure blitzing is one of the ways to create pressure but at the same token 
you're sending blitzes from all these random places. And I think opposing offenses are just like, okay, let's max protect, pick it up, sit there and have a quick route, get open because we know that we'll catch them in man coverage. I think it's very easy to counter now for opposing offenses because it seems like Josh Dobbs and the Arizona Cardinals had it figured out for a half last week. They were countering the blitzing pretty easily. And now, of course, you go up against Kyle Shanahan, one of the brightest offensive minds in football history. He's got Brock Purdy, who's on his A game right now. You pick up that blitz. He stands in the pocket, makes a quick throw because he's got some elite receivers to throw to and it's too easy I think the Wink Martindale is over relying on the blitz he's blitzing too much and that's why the Giants are not getting pressure I honestly think that this this Kayvon Thibodeau situation is out of hand now because it's not just Kayvon Thibodeau I just criticized Thibodeau for a lack of pressure he needs or a lack of effort he needs to try harder do more and not give up on these plays but at the same time I think that he's frustrated with how he's being used and I'm frustrated with how he's being used he's getting dropped back into coverage that stupid penalty that he had I believe that it was within five yards when he had the illegal contact. I think it was a bogus call. However, he shouldn't even be in that situation. We shouldn't be dropping him back into coverage on the goal line. We need to get a sack in that situation. It's third down. Get him after the quarterback. Why is he dropping back to coverage on a third down? You want your best pass rushers on the field pressuring the quarterback into making an errant throw or getting a sack on third down. You don't want them dropping back into coverage. We've seen this too frequently with Thibodeau through these first three weeks. He's dropping into coverage. They're sending blitzes his way, and it's forcing him to not have a one-on-one opportunity to beat a tackle. My opinion, how do you fix Kayvon Thibodeau? You simplify this defensive scheme, and you have him put his hand in the dirt for 45 snaps and rush the passer. Just put him down on the line, three-point stance, pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. Stop dropping him into into coverage. Stop asking him to do more than what he's capable of because clearly he's not capable of doing all these complexities of this Wink Martindale defense. I just think this defense, this scheme is too complex. I remember years ago when the Giants had – um, I don't even remember who the defensive coordinator was. I, I'm totally drawing a blank on it. But during the days of Eli Manning, there was one season where the Giants, their defense was getting worked, right? It was the year after Steve Spagnuolo left. The That's defense true. wasn't putting it together. Um, yeah, I think it was James Betcher. James Betcher was their defensive coordinator. And their scheme was really complex. And it was really blitz heavy. And they said, it's too complex. We need to tone it down. They did that. They made major strides towards improvement. Sometimes it's about doing too much. And that's what I think Wink Martindale is doing right now. You live and you die by these blitzes. And right now the Giants are dying. They're not getting off the field on third down, in my opinion, because they're too aggressive. You're blitzing against these screen passes. That's the worst time because now you don't have guys in coverage to make the tackle. You have them just sprinting (laughs) dead on into the backfield to get blocked and miss the play. So I just think that Wink Martindale overall has been really poor through these first three weeks. If he doesn't fix it by like week eight, I think he's on the hot seat majorly. In fact, I think he might even... His seat's starting to get warm. I think he turned the seat warmers on in the passenger seat. This is getting really bad here. I think that Wink Martindale's unit looks really poorly coached, Alex. I just went on a super long rant rant and tangent about it. I want to get your take on this because I think that Wink Martindale is single-handedly sinking this New York Giants defense right now. Well, look, this is is my take on it. The 49ers missed three tackles. And if you watch their defense, they generate a lot of pressure through those, those front four guys, right? Javon Hargrave had... Five pressures, Bosa had six, Armstead had three, Kinlaw had four. Like they're they're producing pressure through those guys. They're not sending an ex, ex, extreme amount of blitzers to support. They had a couple times, but their front guys are putting in work. Like they're they're getting those putting that pressure on Daniel Jones, mainly because their offensive line is absolute dog water. But you know, it's another conversation. So what I feel like the problem here is if you took the 16 missed tackles, right, and reduced that to three. Your, our defense looks good. We gave up 
I think I have to I have to recall, but I think it was going into the fourth quarter. We had given up sell seven third down conversions on twelve attempts. Seven third down conversions on twelve attempts, and multiple of those, several of those, were ten plus yards. I know you guys remember the one too. I think Kittle had one that was a, a big gain. Uh, maybe it was McCaffrey on a run to the outside where Hawkins whiffed, and then I also believe there was that uh, screen pass to Debo where he broke a couple tackles. Of course, so if this team wraps up those tackles. This game is it's a different game, straight up. Like if we make those stops on third downs, totally different game. Like we're in this shit. Instead, we missed 16 tackles, and at the end of the day, we're sitting here wondering why we lost this game because the Giants' defense can't do the basics well enough. They can't tackle with form. They can't bring down guys. They're trying to tackle at the at the waist. They're trying to tackle at, on the upper body, and you have guys like Debo and McCaffrey who are experts at shaking off above above waist tackles, right? You need to go for their legs. You need to wrap them up. You have to trap them. You have to slow them down to give your defense some more time to get to the runner, to get to the runners, to get to the ball carriers. Instead, we how many times do we see? I mean, specifically, I'm going to shout out our two rookie corners here because they looked uh, like some of the worst tackling techniques I've seen in my life. Hawkins couldn't even get a hand on him. He was just diving on the ground. Banks was just, he was trying to get uh, McCaffrey up high. And McCaffrey just took him by the face and moved him. Just freaking moved him. Debo Samuel shrugged him off like he wasn't even there. Adoree Jackson holding him at the waist. And Debo is still moving at like 75% speed, carrying Adoree Jackson. Bobby O'Karake comes in, ends up clocking Isaiah Simmons, who had, who had to hit Debo to knock him off his balance. That was a play that he got shaken up a little bit. But, I mean, come on, man. You have three defenders there. One of them, a linebacker we just signed for 10 mil a year. Simmons, who is an athletic freak, who, you know, has some power to him. Jackson, who was really good at tackling last season. What happened here? You want to know who was probably one of our best tacklers last year, Anthony? Julian Love. And without Julian Love on that defense at the, at the strong safety position, we have nobody in there that can, ta- that can tackle anybody. Jason Pinnock, he has been a, a liability at times when it comes to tackling. He had a couple missed tackles. Um, Okereke missed three tackles. Micah McFadden missed three tackles. Adoree Jackson missed a couple tackles. Banks missed a couple tackles. Hawkins, our whole secondary are full of guys that can't tackle. And when you don't have guys that can tackle in the secondary, when you don't have linebackers that can tackle effectively, you are a liability to the whole team. The run defense at the front was good. It was the second level that was falling apart at the seams. Um, and that's where I get a little concerned because if you can't beat great teams and we looked out, look, we lost 30 to 12 yesterday. We could sit here and talk about the moral victories. We weren't even in the same freaking realm as the 49ers last night. They were just playing with us. They kept the, they just kept us in the game because they could. You know, like they looked like they had full control. Um, when they wanted to go down and score, they did it without much of a problem. Um, and, and for what it's worth, I do want to throw in here the refereeing last night was awful. Just awful. I mean, I watched, I posted to Twitter, um, you know, the what when when Williams punched Ashawn Robinson in the face. It's evident. And after this, if we didn't see enough of it, it has to be a closed fist. I mean, it's there, man. He freaking clocked him in the face. Closed fist. It's, it's clear as day. The fact that they don't eject him t- already tells me they were not looking to eject him. Um, there was a penalty on Isaiah Hodgins. That was a clear pass interference on a third down. Didn't call it. But they called the one on Kayvon Thibodeau. Roughing the passer on Leonard Williams. He was tackling the guy. I mean, look, they're calling that every time these days. It shouldn't be a penalty. I agree with it. But, you know, again, it shouldn't be a fucking penalty. Like, it's ridiculous. It's, excuse me for my language, but I'm just – I'm upset because 
we don't ever get these calls. You know, the ball's bouncing around in the air. The Giants don't end up with it. But the second that our, our ball hits Debo and, and Dory Jackson gets a pass breakup, it falls right into the hands of their receiver for another 10, 15 yards. Like, is the epitome of being a Giants fan right now. Anything that could go our way goes the opposite direction. And that's how it feels. We don't get we don't get the respect from the refs. They're calling it for the 49ers. We don't have the respect. Daniel Jones gets hit late. This guy gets hit. This guy gets Kayvon Thibodeau gives a little push within five yards. I mean, we're not getting the calls because we have not earned the right to get those calls. Again, it should be unbiased, but this is the way the NFL is. They favor teams that are really good. It just has always been this way. Um, and the 49ers are a Super Bowl contending team. They want them to look good. They get the good ratings out of it, and they're in bam. Like you see, you see the lot, you see the freaking script unfolding before your very eyes. And there were a lot of things the Giants did very badly. The fact that we hung around until the third quarter is insane to me. Like, I, I don't even know how we did it because this team should have been blown out in the first half. I mean, they could have just ran all over us. McCaffrey was eating yards at will. Um, you know, their passing game, Brock Purdy tried to give us turnovers. He was actively trying to give us the ball. George Jackson drops an interception that George Kittle was playing DB on, basically. I mean, we had a couple opportunities here. Banks had a chance in the end zone. There were chances here to turn the, the momentum, and we did not capitalize on this. Giants team has three sacks in the year, I believe. They have no turnovers. Um, this is not a Wink Martindale defense, and it's not for a lack of talent. You can't convince me that Thibodeau is not talented. You can't convince me that Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, I mean, we know they're talented. We know Adore Jackson could be a CB1. We've seen him be that. Bobby Okereke was tremendous with the Colts. Xavier McKinney, I mean, look how many great plays we've seen him make over the years. You can't convince me this team doesn't have talent, but they don't look inspired. Like, they don't look like they're going in there. You watch the 49ers defense. The second that we got rid of that ball, they were running full speed to knock the hell out of anyone that was that was going to catch that thing. They were on our ass the entire night. The second we touched the football, they were on our ass. I cannot say the same for the Giants. It did not feel that way. Um, it felt, in my opinion, like we were waiting for them to come to us. We were trying to wait for Debo Samuel to arrive. That way we could attack, attack him. We were not going in there with physicality Hawkins he didn't even look like he was trying to hit anybody last night you know what I mean like that's that's a really big concern for me if they don't look like they're they don't they're not physical enough that's the way I would describe it they're not physical enough they're not going in there with the intent to tackle they're going in there with the intent not to get injured and that's a really big concern because once you start playing conservative football you're going to lose games and I think the defense is playing conservative football right now I think the defense looks like they don't want to tackle. Like you said, they look afraid of contact. As I said, I yeah, it's conservative football. Wink Martindale's trying to play aggressive. He's making aggressive play calls. I think he's too aggressive, and I think that the, the players are not aggressive enough. It's just not a match made, honestly. This personnel with this scheme, it doesn't fit. It's not working. So it's up to Wink Martindale, this upcoming game, week four versus Seattle. He needs to make an adjustment, change the scheme, stop blitzing so much, stop putting certain guys in coverage, have other guys on the field, you know, rotate your personnel packages better. There needs to be adjustments ASAP because if this continues, um, this is not going to be a fun season for us New York Giants fans. But now we've talked a lot about the defense, a whole lot about it. I do want to talk about the offense, Alex. You talked about the offensive line earlier. There's what I have to say about it. Shane Lemieux does not belong on an NFL field. He's just not good enough. 
He gets worked every single play. He can't hold up in pass protection. He whips in the run game. He's not a good NFL player. Was he a good college player? Yes, that's great for him. He's been injured throughout his career, and when he's been on the field for the New York Giants, he's been pitiful. I'm sorry, guys. Maybe he's a good practice squatter, a good locker room guy. Sure, but he doesn't belong as a starter in the NFL, especially not on this New York Giants team that clearly doesn't have the coaching right on the offensive line regarding regarding the offensive line, in my opinion, and doesn't have enough talent around him to mask his deficiencies. He's playing next to a rookie center. First of all, the fact that the Giants are rotating guards like this, like it doesn't matter, it's kind of bizarre to me because why would you not want continuity, of course, for your quarterback, but also for your rookie center? Your rookie center is still trying to learn how to play in the NFL, going up against some of the best defensive fronts in football through these first three games. Why are you not giving him a little bit of constancy at the guard spot, you know? He can't play a consistent brand of football with a rotation at the guard position. I understand there's an injury to Ben Bredesen. Yeah, that's fine. But now you had Mark Lewinsky in the lineup, and then you take him out of the lineup. You put Shane Lemieux in the lineup. You had uh, McKethan playing left guard all camp. Now you got him at right guard. Or you had Bredesen at left guard all camp. Then you have him at right guard. There's just so much change up there at those guard positions. And I think that it's having an effect on John Michael Schmitz because we've seen John Michael Schmitz flash kind of elite potential through these first three games. But overall, his play is being held back. His deficiencies are not being masked because the rest of the guys around him also suck. So I think that it sucks on that regard. The offensive line is just a shit show right now. But I also want to talk about the play of Daniel Jones because he wasn't given much to work with. He's under pressure 50% of the time. But listen, I think the Giants had a chance to get back in that game. And that Darren Waller throw, I know it's been the talk of social media. In my opinion, that's a miss from Daniel Jones. It's high. Yes, it's catchable because it touched his fingertips. It touched Darren Waller's fingertips. But you guys are only calling that catchable because it's Darren Waller. And you expect Darren Waller to make spectacular Bro, catches. that's not. Dude, he's six freaking six. That should be he's within six, his. six. And it, it lasered above thing. him seven feet be, in the yes. air. It should be within his frame. Six, six. It should exactly. be in his freaking wheelhouse, bro. You, you shouldn't have to miss Darren Waller high. Like that's ridiculous. That was it on Daniel impossible. Does. It should be impossible to miss Darren Waller high. But guys, there's there's guys on Twitter. There's guys on social media who's saying that Darren Waller should have caught that pass. Okay, maybe he should have. But that's not a catchable ball for 99% of players in the NFL. You can't expect Darren Waller to just pull a rabbit out of the hat whenever Daniel Jones makes a bad throw. I think that's the game that that's the play that lost in the game. Had he hit Darren Waller in stride there, go look at the tape. He had a lot of room to work with up that left sideline. That could have been a 50-yard gain. He could have caught that ball and ran with it and put the Giants in a position to get into scoring range. That was a crucial play, and Daniel Jones missed on that one. Wasn't a ton of pressure. That one was a clean pocket. Jones was great in week two, second half. He was an elite quarterback. There's no denying that. He flashes his potential as well. He can be a great quarterback. However, he's missing a couple throws here. I think he's just nervous. I, I think that he doesn't really have a whole lot of time in the pocket, of course, and I think it's really affecting him, and it's making Daniel Jones, even when he does have a clean pocket, he's missing these throws because of how bad the offensive line is. I think it all plays in together. And one other detail that I want to throw out there, Alex, on, on the offense, we talked about it all week, how the Giants' offense completely transformed after they started relying on play-action passing in the second half of that game in Arizona, right? They went from throwing 15% of the time on play-action in week one to week two, they had 50% of the time. And in the first half, it was probably the 15%, and it was just all play action in the second half, right? That's what we observed in our film breakdown. Well, in, la in last night's game, they only threw play action. They only called play action on 17% of Daniel Jones's dropbacks. Now, if you're going to say it's because Saquon Barkley wasn't in the lineup, I need you to go out there, guys. 
go on Google and search, do you need a running game to establish play action? You will find studies. Literal scientists have studied this. You don't need an elite rushing attack to establish a play action passing game. No matter what play action gives you an extra second in the pocket, it's basic fundamentals of football, and there are analytical studies that prove this. The Giants not using play action here to mask their offensive line deficiencies is malpractice. That's all that it is. It is a bad game plan, especially against the San Francisco 49ers front. They should have been relying on the play action passing game. No play action on 82% of his dropbacks is just crazy to me. This was just a bad game plan. The New York Giants failed. The coaching staff failed. The players failed. I love Daniel Jones, guys. He's my favorite player. He didn't play his best football when he had a clean pocket, but he barely ever had a clean pocket. So maybe if he had a clean pocket the whole game, then he could have played good. I don't know. It's really tough to tell. But right now, the Giants are in a rut, and they need to break out of it because this season can get out of hand really quickly. Alex, want to hear your take on the offense, Daniel Jones, the play action, everything. I got to know how you're feeling because we talked about how bad this defense was. The offense wasn't much better. You want to know what really frustrates me? Why does Jalen Hyatt only have 32% snap share? You know, why is he only in the game for 32% of the time? Um I'm a little bit concerned about that. I'd rather see Hyatt in there than even Hodgins at times who didn't really get involved. Like if you're trying to expand the field, like let Hyatt learn in real time. If your offense is going to blow, give Hyatt the reps. Like if your offense is not going to move the chains and guys are not getting open, why are you not giving the guy that actually gets open some chances? Like I, I feel like that was concerning to me. There were chances for him to get open, use him on the crossers. How many times did we see the Giants runs crossing concepts last year that ended up being very productive for us? I haven't seen that uh, similarly this season. So, you know, I mean, look, the Giants, what, they carried the ball like eight or ten times. Matt Breda was the clear RB1. I mean, what are you going to do? They have an elite run defense. You're not going to run the ball really well. We had one good running play, and it was the touchdown run by Breda, who was set up by John Michael Schmitz uh, with a really, really great block there. So I'll say this. There is no quarterback in football that would survive these circumstances, my friends. Um, sorry to break it to you, but if you're blaming Daniel Jones for this, we had a, a left tackle who's played one NFL game at left tackle. We had a left guard who hasn't played since 2020. We have a rookie center, uh, basically a rookie right guard, and Evan Neal. Tell me you have you could sit there and, and logically say that you expect Daniel Jones to survive with this. And I'm not this is not me like coming to Daniel Jones's defense. This is me being logically clear about the fact that the Giants have an offensive line that was put together by a freaking drunk guy in a bar. Okay, that is what we have here. That is what we are working with. Um, I think John Michael Schmitz is going to be a very good player for a very long time, but he is a rookie and he wasn't the worst part of that offensive line by any means last night. It was everybody else. You know, Josh is going up against Bosa or Neil going up against Bosa and Kinlaw and Hargrave going up against Shane Lemieux. That's what screwed us. And McKethan, I mean, look, he's okay. I think there's promise there. I think giving him some more time to gel and get, get involved is a good thing. I think it, hopefully he can develop into something. But this team is far from being good because our offensive line can't block. Bredesen and Andrew Thomas, the loss of those two guys, is bigger than we can even imagine. You know what I mean? Arguably bigger than the loss of Saquon. I'd say losing Andrew Thomas is significantly more paramount than losing Saquon. Um, not to say that Saquon's impact loss is not significant, but Andrew Thomas, he makes the whole thing go. Like, you know, if you can at least give Daniel Jones time on the left side, you're able to now manufacture pockets in that area. Um, the Giants couldn't do that with Azudu, who was just completely getting overwhelmed. I mean, he had a, I can't even, I don't even remember the grade. It was so low. Um, it, it was just bad. So, you know, this offense isn't going anywhere until they, until they get Thomas and Bredesen back. And that's the unfortunate truth. Um, the passing game, 
they couldn't even get anything done. They couldn't get anybody downfield. They didn't have enough time. Daniel Jones had 2.2 seconds. 2.2 seconds. Think about that. You snap it, one, two, you're sacked. I mean, mind-blowing. Like, <laughs> it's that quick? 2.2 seconds in the pocket, guys. I-, I don't know who could operate in those in that type of environment. Nobody. Nobody can operate like that. Um, you know, Jones had a couple of nice throws. But I think he was just shook. You know, that miss to Waller, that was on him. But by the time that that actually happened, he had been hit. He had been battered. He had been conditioned the whole game to miss those throws, to get rid of the ball, to throw off his back foot. That throw, um, there was an opportunity, I believe, to throw to Hyatt when he was open downfield. But by the time that route even developed, and it happened quick because Hyatt was flying down there, and so was Slayton. By the time that route even happened and it was able to throw – Kinlaw had pushed Shane Lemieux into Daniel Jones' freaking lunchbox, okay? Like, he was he was already eating his lunch. Daniel Jones ended up having to run and then throw the ball out of bounds because he was just trying to get rid of it. You know what I mean? Like, there is nobody that can survive under these circumstances, man. This is like being in Antarctica without a winter jacket. You're not going to be good. You're not going to survive. You know what I mean? You're not going to survive. So, how, you're asking me about this offense. It always comes down to the offensive line. This, is the, this has been the situation for 10 years years 10 years guys 10 years and we still 10 years later and we have a rookie at left like basically two rookies at left guard or rather at right guard and left tackle we have a second year player at right tackle we have a a rookie at center we have a guy who shouldn't even be on a roster at left guard i mean yes we have injuries but the lack of competency man our backups have no experience you know what i mean they have no experience that's so that's so bewildering to me. How do we have no backups? Why why is Justin Pugh not signing signed yesterday? You know what I mean? Why is he not on this team? If I'm the Giants, I'm cutting Shane Lemieux today and I'm going and signing Justin Pugh right now. I trust Justin Pugh coming off an ACL tear because he has experience. You know what I mean? He knows how to manage himself in these in, in these situations. <clears throat> Shane Lemieux hasn't played in two years. You know, I don't really get the logic that <clears throat> I trust Brian Dable. I trust Brian, uh, Joe Shane right now. I'm still on the boat that I think they can turn things around. But there are decisions here that I am very – I question. You know, I question these decisions, and they're not working. So something's got to change. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'll tell you right now, the keys to turning this thing around start with tackling, just basic form tackling, bringing guys down when you hit them, aggressive football. You know what made the Giants defense so good during those Super Bowl runs? They were super aggressive. They hit you and you got up freaking like, holy shit, that was a train that just hit me. Not Hawkins diving at this guy's toenails. You know, trying to give him a little pedicure as he runs by. That's not what that's not what Giants football is, bro. That's not what it is. You know, we hit players, man. We leave an impression. That's what the 49ers did to us last night. When they hit us, we got up like, oh, we don't want to go across the middle. I saw Darren Waller multiple times catch the ball in the middle and stop dead in his tracks because he was so afraid of getting hit. There was one play in specific. He caught that ball, and he was like, he was going in there knowing I'm going to get hit. But they, but those 49ers defenders left an impression on him. They were like, I'm getting hit, man. Um, so that's where I'm at right now is like tackling, you know, has to be better. Offensive line? has to be better. You know, those are the two things. If you can improve those two things, and then the pass rush has to be better. If you can improve those three variables, this team is competent. This team is is very solid. But the thing is, it's easier said than done. And we've been trying to do this for 10 years. So do I expect this to turn around in week four, week five? Probably not, because this has been a 10-year issue. But getting Andrew Thomas and Ben Bredesen back will certainly help. Um, I mean, that, that's that's kind of the, the end of it, man. I mean, you know, I'm frustrated. I'm tired of the moral victories and tired of saying we saw progress. 
because we see progress and then we take 10 steps backward the next week. You know what I mean? Like that's the way this Giants team has been for years. Last year we we, we escaped because we had a really easy schedule um, and we managed to you know outplay those expectations. This year, man, our schedule is tough. It's not easy. Dallas in week one, you know, San Francisco, Seattle's a solid team. We have to play it. We have to play good football. And I'll give it this. There's a lot of new faces on this roster. You know, there's a lot of gelling that still needs to happen here. Live action football. Bobby O'Karake, Trey Hawkins, Deontay Banks. They're all new. You know what I mean? These guys are all new. Uh, Micah McFadden's essentially new. You know, on the offensive side. I mean, Bredesen's coming back from the injury. He's basically like, you know, he's still trying to get involved. John Michael Schmitz is new. McKethan's new. Evan Neal's trying to get still kind of in, in flow. Paris Campbell's new. Um, Wandale's coming back. Like, you know, Hyatt's new. Like, there's so many new faces, so it takes time to build, you know, that chemistry. But I expect better execution on a personal basis. You know what I mean? I expect better execution, like just tackling technique. Like, that can't be an issue for individual players, you can't miss tackles the way that the Giants have been doing so. Like, and as Carl Banks said on Twitter, I believe he was like, "Missing tackles is the sign of a bad defense," and that's that's not a Wink Martindale staple, man. He, I, I'm surprised. This is this is surprising to me. I, I've never seen a Martindale defense play this poorly before. I, I'm I'm very I'm just blown away. So, you know that that's kind of how I wrap up that that take. I'm sorry for the extended rant. That's okay, man. There's plenty to rant about. There's plenty to be upset about. You know, a few things that you said, can the Giants turn it around immediately? I don't think that they can, but I haven't lost all hope. I still believe in Brian Dable. I still believe in Joe Shane. You know, I'm going to trust this process here. Uh, Brian Dable was coach of the year for a reason last season, and I I do trust in him to turn things around. But I think, you know, it was a short turnaround between that hard-fought Sunday uh, week two victory and then this Thursday night game. Very short turnaround. So maybe the Giants, you know, a little uneasy, a little, little gassed here, a little banged up. Now they got 10 days to prepare, and they have 10 days to watch two, three games really of film, unless they've thrown away the Dallas one, which makes sense. But they got two games of film to really dive into here and figure out what's going on. And they'll see the same problems that we're seeing. Brian Dable is going to see the team can't tackle. Okay, we're going to work on tackling this these next 10 days. Um, the play-action game, it, it went ghost for a while. We need to bring it back. You know, The rushing game, the, the offensive linemen aren't holding up. The passing game, you know, he's going to notice all the same things that we've been ranting about, and he's probably going to rant. Alex, you said you ranted for too long for six minutes or so. Brian Dable's going to rant for like 25 minutes straight, and he's not going to take a breath. And then he's going to take a breath, and then he's going to rant for another 45 minutes. So Brian Dable, we know him. He's an intense guy. He's going to watch this film. I do still trust in him, and I think that the Giants are going to start to make some progress here, but I agree with you. I don't want to just keep hanging our head on these or hanging our hats on these, these moral victories. I want to see progress. I want to see the New York Giants get better, win games, um, and they're one and two right now. We didn't want to be in this position. I mean, a lot of people had us pro- projected at one and two. You know, it, it's a tough schedule, like you said, Alex, but there's still time to turn around, and the New York Giants, if they want to turn it around and really make some noise this season, they're going to have to do it ASAP. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of adjustments they make next week. But like we said, there are a lot of adjustments to make. We really dove into the problems with this team right here for almost 40 minutes. So, um, And we'll continue diving into it, previewing this upcoming matchup against Seattle and recapping and reviewing this matchup with the 49ers and everything else in between. So make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. Comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. And go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside. Giants. Without further ado, we will catch you all in the next one. Have a good one and let's go Giants.